This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're finishing up chapter uh, this morning. We're going to finish up chapter 20 six of Genesis, and we're going to finish it up with the last two verses. And uh, these are, in my opinion, they're obscure. They're, they're nobody, they're one of those verses that you run over and you uh, move on through them like, like they're not even there. And you're really missing out when you do stuff like that. And when you're studying the Bible, I love to teach people to study the Bible or read the Bible and they can read it as a novel and read it in, in mass and you can read it chronologically and you can read it all kinds of ways. But I do encourage you at some point in your time to in your life to begin the process of studying the Bible in depth and studying books of the Bible and studying things in the Bible with some depth because you're going to come across things like we found in this chapter, the idea of digging wells or the idea of of your actions or your works of faith bringing about powerful works of the Holy Spirit. And so I would hate for you to miss out on things like that can be very useful in your life and can be very helpful in your life and can bring about great and wonderful things that God really is wanting that to happen for you. And if you don't really understand them, sometimes the focus of your life can be on things that don't matter rather than things that do matter. And these last two verses are verses about, they're about in-laws. If you want to know the truth, that's what they're about. And about Isaac and Rebecca's two daughter-in-laws from Esau. And it says here in verse 34 of chapter 26, when Esau was 40 years old, and 40 is the number of full maturity. So he is he has supposedly been fully mature. That is the the age, 40 years old, scripturally speaking, where a person is, they're considered a fully mature man or woman, and nothing is really held back from them. And what it's saying is that Esau should have his ducks in a row. He should by now have things going for him. He shouldn't be selling his birthright to his brother. He shouldn't be focused on things that don't matter. He should be focused on things that do matter. And it it becomes a lot of times when we have young people and they're trying to find their way and they're in their 20s and they're struggling and they're having difficulties and they don't know exactly which way to turn or what way to go. That's really just understandable. That's uh, one of those things that happens. People find themselves at different ages and uh, 20 year olds, are, that's the age to find yourself and can be the most, it can be the most dis- difficult decade of adulthood. In fact, 
for most people, I would guess that if you if you gave them a poll about their adulthood and the difficulties, I'm talking about the struggles. Now, they may have partied and really had a lot of fun, but the truth is the struggles emotionally, the struggles with their career, the struggles with who they are as a person, those struggles happen the most in their 20s. And other than childhood and adolescence, adolescence is very difficult, but 20s is really difficult and it's really hard on, on a person. And then the 30s, generally speaking, is very difficult, mainly because that is the prime age where most of your children are they're growing up. They may be very young or you may have had children at an early age and they're in adolescence and it doesn't really matter from age zero to age about 16 or 17 and sometimes even a little older than that. Children can be very difficult in, for all the reasons that children are difficult. They're difficult because you're having to deal with yourself, because you see yourself in them, and then you realize, oh no, I'm not only messing up myself, I, I'm propagating these things, and you're trying to not let your children uh, to deal with the things that you dealt with and struggle with the things that you struggle with. So you're struggling with yourself, and then you're just struggling to help them find their way in life, and that's just not easy, especially when you've never done it before and you have that great responsibility. 30s can be very hard, but by the time you're in your 40s, you ought to have reached some traction in your life. You ought to have found yourself in your life, and you ought to have figured out to not be the things that are very destructive in your life. And so that's when that's what's going on with Esau. That's what should be happening with Esau. Esau should be in a place in his life where he's figured things out, and he's not selling his birthright for a bowl of soup. But the truth is that's not necessarily the case. It's still not the case. And and especially for Esau, because he was that type of person, and even though his father loved him and his mother loved Jacob, even though that's the case, Esau put himself in a position to be divested of the things that he should have had because he didn't do things right. And it says here, that's it says he's 40 years old, and he took his wives, Judith, the daughter of the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. So he took two Hittite wives, and if you'll notice, that was not the that was not the practice of Abraham, and it was not the practice of Isaac. The practice of them was to take people who were of the same that were the same spiritual mindset as themselves. They went back and found they found people who had the spiritual understanding, the spiritual ideas that they did, and uh, marrying Hittites was not going to be that. Hittite's an ancient culture. It's an ancient nomadic tribal culture. Actually formed a confederation and became a fairly strong and mighty, I wouldn't say empire, but nation that was a rival to the Assyrians, a rival to the Persians, a rival to the Egyptians during the time during this time period, actually, in this time period. And they were a mighty, mighty nation militarily. That being said, they were pagans. They did not believe in God, in, in the one true God. They didn't believe in Yahweh. They weren't worshipers of Yahweh. And that is a major problem. Being une unevenly yoked in who you look for as a spouse is a major problem. And 40-year-olds should not be marrying lost people. And 40-year-olds 40 shouldn't be dating lost people. In fact, 20-year-olds should be taught and teenagers should be taught that, that the choosing of a spouse is one of the great joys in life, and it can be one of the great, great sorrows of life. And if you improperly do it and you choose based off of things that don't matter, such as 
such as beauty or such as where you met them or such as whether or not you were having fun, whether or not you thought they were fun, is it can be very a very devastating decision for a person and can cause them to go through years and years of struggle because of that. And so I would say to you, and I'd say to anybody, raise up your children and teach them to hunt for people to marry of character. Now, sure, they're going to want to be, you don't want your children to be attracted to them because you want grandchildren and you want your children to uh, uh, have a life that fits them, raise up a child in the way he should go and the way the child should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. So we're supposed to help our children figure out who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. That being said, the Bible's quite clear about marrying people who are not believers, about dating people in the, in the context that we live in, and that's how we do things. Obviously, if I had to choose my daughter's spouse, I wouldn't. I would have never chose somebody who was not a believer. My oldest daughter married a fine young man. He's a strong believer. He's a he's a minister in his church, not in the sense of on staff, but he is a servant in his church, and he does a lot of ministry, both in the youth ministry, and the music ministry, and the men's ministry. He's a perfect choice for as a spouse. For my daughter, I couldn't have picked any better. She did a good job of picking. My youngest daughter's out there searching for a spouse right now, and she is doing a fantastic job figuring things out as she's gotten older, and she's searching for a young man who is who loves Jesus, who's got a spiritual walk that she can honor and respect. That's exactly what she's doing when she's looking for a mate right now, and I can tell it in every possible way that's what she's doing. And I couldn't be more proud of her for that, proud of her not only for her accomplishments as academic accomplishments and her accomplishments in life and her investment in the church, even though she's a single young lady, she is a faithful member of her church over in Auburn. I am, I am, I couldn't be any more proud of that. And when you think about those things and when you look at those things, that's important and helping your children understand that is important. Now, that being said, you need to help them with that and you need to help them along as they go through those things and as they deal with those things. But that being said, when they begin to lock in on a person to marry, when they bring somebody home to marry, I cannot encourage you strongly enough. I cannot encourage you strongly enough to be kind, to be loving, to be full of grace, even if you perceive the person that they're dating and beginning to marry as not the right one for them. And I say that for a reason, because anybody in the world that you're going to have to deal with a lot, you obviously want to be as kind and as loving and as, and as uh, investing in their life as possible so that you can have the most influence possible over them in the sense of being able to guide them through the things that they're going to deal with while they're with you. Why? Because it's best for them and it's best for you. And why would you not want to do that with a person who is who has the possibility of not only being an in-law, meaning being married to one of your children, but also is going to be a parent to your grandchildren? It would be very foolish for you to treat them as a person that you don't want to have a relationship with, the, the person that you don't like to be in any way cold or any way acting as if they don't meet your standards uh, or acting as if they're unwanted as the significant other of your child, acting that way toward them or even acting that way once your child is locked in on them is very foolish. And I say that's very foolish because 
I, if one of my daughters were to marry a young man who was not a believer and who was struggling, I would not want to have a strained relationship with that young man. I would want to have the very best, best relationship possible so that I might influence his life, so that I might be able to invest in his life, that I might be able to feed in his life, and that maybe even one day he might come to that place where he repents and turns to Jesus. And uh, I can't do that if I shut the door to him at the start of the relationship. And uh, you're going to have situations where your children choose people who cause grief. And that's what happens. That's what verse 35 of this, of this, of this passage says. It says, and they were grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. They grieved them. And the reason they grieved them is because their children were not going to be raised worshiping God the way Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah had worshiped God. They were not going to be worshipers of the one true God. And that is a major problem. But that being said, just because they cause you grief does not mean that you need to shut the door to that relationship because your grief can be turned to joy if you are allowing God to have every opportunity to influence those relationships. And doing that and actively being a part of that and having your efforts bring about God's very best in the situation is likely to reap a reward. Stable life, a life of hope, a life of purpose, a life of direction can oftentimes be attractive to those who are on the who have a boat with no sail on the waves of the sea and they see they're being blown and tossed about many times people like that eventually get tired of it and they begin to look for an anchor or they begin to look for a place to make port and the places that they choose to make port and the places that they choose to anchor are generally speaking people who they see as having a stable mature uh, direction field life. And if they have no relationship with you, even though they may see you that way, they're not going to come to you and allow you to have that influence over them. If you do have a relationship with, with them, if you've always been full of grace and mercy to them, if you've always been loving toward them, if that's who you've been, then many, then even though they may not act as if they like you, or they may not even sometimes act as if they want to be around you, there may come a day when that anchor becomes so it becomes so attractive to them that they're willing to they're willing to tie off to that anchor and and find some peace and some solace and you will be the one who they tie off to you're the one that they seek out for that hope and the living hope that's in you becomes the living hope that they that they begin to chase after and so why would you not want to do that it would be very foolish for you to to not do that and so many times we want to manipulate and we want to control our children. One of the things that I'm so thankful that God gave me an understanding of when I was very young, as a young man, that the children that I was given were not my own, but they were on loan to me to raise in, in a way where they would have every opportunity to find God's will for their life and to walk in it. They're not mine. They're my daughters. I love them, but they're not, they're not mine to manipulate and they're not mine to control and they're not mine to direct. And the truth is, I want them to be so mature 
and open to God's will that they chase after it wholeheartedly. And, and I don't have any control over that. I want God to have control over their lives, not myself. And the only way for me to do that is to realize that I'm not really in control. I'm just put in a position to direct and to help focus their lives in a direction that hopefully down the road will re, will uh, uh, reward uh, both them and myself with with good things from God. And the only way for that to happen is for me to not be a manipulator of my children, but to be a source of some wisdom and some hope. Now, have I done that perfectly? No, not really. And to tell you the truth, lots of regrets as we go through raising our children. I have them, and I'm quite sure anybody who's raised their children up to adulthood have regrets as far as that's concerned. But at least we don't have the tattoo that reads regrets. We don't want we don't want those regrets as much as possible. And we can start right now to always be building a bridge, especially to those who are the very closest to us in our lives. And I would encourage you to do that. But for Esau, his choice as spou- for spouses, and that was that's a problem in and of itself, but we'll talk about that for another day. Their choices, his choices for women to marry were not good choices. He married women who were not God-fearers, and that is going to cost him also in life. God is not going to... God's not going to extend his promises to those who are not his. And that is going to be a promise for for the years to come because of the women that he marries and the life that he lives and who he is, even when he should be mature, is not the case. And God is not going to bless that. He's going to cut it off. And if you're out there and you're a young person and you want to see God's best for your life and you want to have hope, I would begin to search out who and where God's will is for your life. And who that is, is generally going to be where God's will is. And where God's will is always going to be in the midst of God's people doing God's work. And so if you're out there looking for a spouse in the bars, that's a wrong place to look for them. If you're letting people who are lost do matchmaking for you, that's a poor decision on your part. But if you're always where you're supposed to be in your life, if you're always doing the things and getting out there in the places where God's people are working and where God's people are doing things, God's eventually going to open the door for you for the right person, not the wrong person, the right person. And he's going to give you an opportunity to see him in the very, very best and help you find the very best person for you. And I'm praying that'll be the case for you. And I pray that God will open up the door and don't worry about time. Worry about being faithful and allow God to be faithful to you. Don't worry about, I got to find somebody now. That'll lead you to the bars, and anybody you find at 1 o'clock at night in a bar is very unlikely to be in a position of maturity, especially with God, to to help you or to be someone that you want to be with for the rest of your life. And that's just a fact. A bad company corrupts good character, and it doesn't matter how good a character you have. If you surround yourself with those who are not of good character, eventually it's going to destroy you. And that's biblical, and that's just the way it is. And I'm praying that's not the case for you. And I pray, and and especially right now, pray that God will open up all the doors of his promises to you and that you'll be faithful to walk through them, and you'll faithfully expect him to provide for you exactly the right person at exactly the right time for your life. And uh, he will. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.